Wish you could ask us your questions, share your can't evens, or tell your farm story to us out loud. You can do that now by calling and leaving us a voicemail. Just call 401-426-3276, which is 401-426-FARM, if you've been putting off typing your farm story because you don't want to. That just takes too much time. Well, now you can call us and just tell us about it. We love to play these voicemails on the minisodes like the one you're listening to right now, but obviously we will still take your stories, questions, and can't evens in written form as well. Bottom line, we just want to hear from you. So make sure you call us and leave us a voicemail at 401-426-FARM. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, listener. Welcome to this dive bar. In this special replay dive bar, we're going to dive into all the ways you can save the harvest without busting out all the glass jars, boiling pots of water, or your pressure canner. And a lot of these methods were actually inspired by indigenous cultures. So we also discussed the history of some of the methods that we use today to preserve the garden harvest without having to do all of that extra sweat work. And I love this dive bar so much because in it, we talk about why we really enjoy these alternatives and share a little bit about ourselves personally, about, you know, like the ways that we prefer to eat and preserve food, um, just because everybody doesn't always want to use the same methods. So this episode is really great for you you if you're currently getting ready to just have a totally banging garden and you aren't sure what to do with it all and you don't know if canning is really going to be your jam pun totally intended (laughs) our drink peep this episode is our friend elizabeth steves and she is at steel 2 over on the instagram so cheers lady all right, so welcome to the dive bar. Hooray! Ooh, yay! What are we talking about today at this dive bar? So today we're going to talk about some alternatives to canning because obviously you've worked really hard in your garden and the idea of wasting it doesn't feel very good on the inside. But canning is a lot of work to mm-hmm. do during this busy season and not everybody loves canning. Like, I don't love canning. I totally canned some stuff the other day, though, because we're overflowing with peaches. So I made some bourbon Mm. peach jam, and it's really good. (laughs) Yummy. But I like small batch canned, so it felt Mm -hmm. manageable. And I'll end up canning just a handful of more things, mostly fruit type of things, because I don't have a pressure canner. But today, we thought we'd talk about some alternatives to those canning you know, options, because obviously, like, you know, we don't all want to do that. And there are other ways to save your harvest. So let's dive into them. Yes, I love it. And the first part we're going to cover today is something that I haven't done yet. So I'm interested to learn more. And this might push me over the edge to buy what I need to do this. So let's start with the least labor intensive way to preserve, at least in our opinion, which is 
Dehydrating. Yes. I love dehydrating. It's one of my favorite ways to preserve food, actually. And a couple of things about why dehydration works so, or and what dehydration is. So dehydration is removing moisture from your foods and drying them out, essentially. And the way that it works is water in food is also food for bacteria and fungus, which is what rots your food, like when you leave it out on the counter and whatnot. So by dehydrating, you take away the food source for those organisms to thrive, which basically means that your food can live on in its dried state for at least a year or until moisture hits it or it turns to dust because that could happen eventually also. (laughs) (laughs) And bacteria and fungus need air to multiply as well. So when you dry the outside of a food, but the inside still stays like a little pliable, that helps cut down on the replication of bacteria also. So that's why you can get away with like drying jerky and fruit and stuff to that like leathery type of consistency. And... The best way for dehydration to work is by having your food cut thin and or small so that the drying process can reach all of the parts of the food that it needs to within the amount of time that it needs to so that bacteria doesn't have time to multiply. So it sounds kind of complicated, but it's not. All right. So what is next? Because that was super good information because I was like, is there like a limit on what you can dehydrate? And it sounds like not really, but maybe. Well, you can dehydrate just about anything like meat, vegetables, fruits. I dehydrate so many things here. We make a lot of jerky. So we like season it a lot with like salt and sugar and stuff. So salt mm. and sugar are also like big preserving agents as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> so those help. Another form of dehydrating is smoking as well. So you could like smoke anything that you wanted to and that would help preserve it also. But yeah, you can dehydrate just about anything because it can all be rehydrated later for use, which is super cool. And in fact, dehydration was something that was utilized by indigenous people as a means for to preserve their food and sustain them through winter. And one of the reasons why they chose this method is because, like, obviously the sun is a great Mm. dehydrator, so it's easily accessible if they lived in an area that got reasonable sunlight. But also dehydration makes your food smaller and lighter, so you can store it for long-term storage easier. Like, you know, cans of green beans take up so much space, Mm -hmm. but dried green beans take up, like, almost nothing compared to their canned counterpart. So that's one of the reasons why dehydration was so popular. It's accessible and available. And also it makes it lighter for transport. So if they were moving during certain seasons, it was easy to take the harvest with them. So sun drying was their preferred method. And we can use that ancient knowledge to store food today without having any special equipment, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to point out sun drying for dehydration, because literally anybody can do it with whatever you have. So to start, you just cut up your fruits and veggies into small, thin pieces, usually about the size that you want to eat them. So like think bite-sized. Place them on a wire rack, something with good airflow. 
And you want to sun dry your foods on clear, sunny days with lower humidity and a slight breeze, which depending on where you live, that might be a tall order. So you can dehydrate without the sun in your basement or barn. Just put a fan set on low to keep some air circulation and it'll dehydrate the same. It just won't be sun dried. You know, you've heard like sun dried tomatoes. Well, they'll just be dried tomatoes, but there won't be like a big difference in them. (laughs) Your tomatoes were not touched by the sun. (laughs) They were basement tomatoes. (laughs) Basement barn tomatoes. (laughs) Not nearly as catchy. For shame. If you do decide to dry outside, though, in the sun to avoid morning dew, because morning dew will ruin all of your hard dehydration work, you want to be sure and bring your sun drying racks in in the evenings before Mm. the dew sets. So like at my place, we need to bring them in before like 7 p.m. Otherwise, everything's all wet again and Mm -hmm. you just are repeating the cycle over and over again and nothing gets dried. (laughs) One of the nice things about dehydration, though, is if you want to get all fancy about it, you can buy a counter dehydrator and there's tons of options for them. I'll link in the show notes to the dehydrator that I use. I actually use a really nice one. It was a birthday gift for my parents and it's running all the time right now because I'm currently drying calendula flowers because I'm going to make some lotion this winter out of them. Fancy. And see how that goes. Like I don't think I'm suddenly going to become like a lotion shop, but I thought it would be fun to make my own calendula lotion because in the winter it's dry Mm -hmm. and my skin needs moisture. (laughs) Well, that might be a cool thing for your kids to see too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like to them, they're just flowers. But when I like explain to them that they have like antimicrobial properties and like they're also like calming and have like these oils and stuff in them. Yeah. So you can have a counter dehydrator. Mine has like 10 racks in it. You can set the temperature. You can set a timer. There's also other dehydrators out there that don't have the temperature or timer, but they have the fan in them so that the air keeps running and they heat up, you know, to a very specific temperature. And those work great too. With dehydrating, you can really do whatever you have the equipment for and experiments in ways to like test to see like, you know, what makes your food last longer, what makes your food taste better or whatever. So you can really do it to your liking. And I like to eat dehydrated foods dry. So like kale chips or dried fruit, those are awesome just to like have as a snack on hand. Or I rehydrate things and use them by throwing them straight into like a cooking pot for chili or soup with some sort of liquid base so they rehydrate. That works really well too. So things like squash, green beans, tomatoes. Oh my gosh, I've dehydrated so many things. Kale. You can dehydrate kale and throw it in (laughs) soup also if you don't use it for kale chips like chard I mean like you name it you can dehydrate it well I don't know if I'd dehydrate lettuce but I suppose someone out there could Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I also like to rehydrate herbs and stuff like in soups and stews and chilies but also herbs and cucumbers are really fun to rehydrate in vinegar and oil to use in winter salads so Like around here, Mm. I can keep kale until like December or January. So I can make an easy salad with just like chopped kale that's been soaked in oil and vinegar to kind of soften it up a little bit. But oil and vinegar, that has rehydrated cucumbers and herbs, and that kind of makes it a more exciting salad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very cool. We only want the best for our flocks, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Grubly Farms Grublies. 
an all-natural snack that provides the nutrients and minerals needed for happier, healthier chickens. And now Grubly Farms is offering flocks a choice on where their grub love is harvested with Grubly's World Harvest. It's the same amazing grublies that brings your flock to the yard, but harvested at FDA-approved farms around the world, but never China. Grubly's World Harvest has all the calcium and protein the OG grublies have, but at a lower price point. So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKINFARM25 to get 25% off your first order. Great. So the second method we'll be discussing today is freezing. Oh, and I'm so excited about this one because I have a really fun story to share at the beginning of this one. And when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. So a fun fact and a fun fact that you probably don't know, we flash freeze fresh foods today because a man from Brooklyn named Clarence Birdseye lived temporarily in a place called Labrado, Canada, and he observed the indigenous Inuit catching their fish and immediately flash freezing it in frigid air. And he was like, oh, hey, we could do that for other foods. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Yeah, Clarence Birdseye is the guy that started Birdseye Vegetables. You probably still see them like on your grocery store shelves today. Yeah, I buy those sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. And the reason why flash freezing is such a big deal, it's because when you quickly freeze fresh foods at their peak, they taste fresher when you cook them later. At the time that... Clarence observed this and made this change to the way that Americans froze their food. Commercially frozen food had been available for half a century, but it was unpopular with consumers because it lost its flavor and texture when it was thawed, essentially as being frozen too slowly, which caused large ice crystals to form. And that didn't make the food taste good because its cellular structure had broken down. So it didn't taste good and it didn't have a good mouthfeel. It was like all mushy and yucky (laughs) vegetables. Mouthfeel matters. Yes. (laughs) I feel like that there's a coffee mug there or something. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There is. We talk about mouthfeel a lot on this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the good news is you can totally flash freeze at home as well. And it's something that I do with a lot of vegetables here also because I've got a lot of freezer space. So to flash freeze at home, you just wash and prep your harvest the way that you would if you were prepping it to eat it. So you cut off the ends, you dice it into whatever size you want to use it at, and then let it dry on the counter, like on kitchen towels, or you can pat it dry with paper towels. You basically want to remove as much moisture from it as possible. Remember the talk earlier about how moisture is the enemy of fresh food. Then once you've got it to a proper dried level, you spread it out on a baking sheet. So you don't want the pieces touching. You want them to all have their individual space. They like personal bubbles around themselves. (laughs) And pop them into the freezer for about an hour or until each piece has frozen. And once your tray of veggies or fruit is frozen, just, you know, you can like crack the pan. I kind of like twist it and they all pop off like you would ice cubes and then put them into freezer bags and pop them in the freezer. And 
the reason why this works so well is since each piece is individually frozen, when you go to use it, you don't have to unthaw a whole bag and it won't be like a big, mushy, like watery mess. You just open the bag, grab a handful of whatever it is you froze, reseal it so that it doesn't get freezer burn, and then you can use it up that way. And each piece, like it pulls apart really easily because they're all individual doesn't make a mess. You don't have to use a whole gallon bag of green beans at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is so nice. And it also keeps the moisture content down this way, which helps keep the cellular integrity of the food as best that it can, which means that your food will taste better this way. And you can do this with like anything. I, I use on kale, chard, berries, peaches, apples, green beans, corn, and I don't parboil anything before freezing. Some stuff you're supposed to parboil I don't because if I'm going to bust out the pans and pots and boiling water, I almost might as well can. Mm. (laughs) So and I haven't found it to be a really big deal. I'm sure that there's some things that are better when you parboil them. So you can use that like to your discretion or to your personal taste and preference. There is one thing that I do parboil before freezing, and that's the corn. And I wish I could tell you why I do corn. It's just it's the way I've always done it. So I've been nervous to deviate from it. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's it. Those are two awesome ways that you can preserve your harvest that don't take a lot of labor on your part, save your food for at least a year. And, you know, you can do that. And so you've got some of your summer harvest in the wintertime without having to be a master canner. Yeah, hope that was super helpful. I feel like we just packed a lot of information in less than 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. which is the point of these. It really is. And, you know, I realized one thing I forgot to mention about dehydration. I always put one of those food safe silica packs in my jars of dehydrated foods. So we'll link to those in the show notes also so that you can check those out if you're going to do some dehydrating, whether it's sun drying or using a dehydrator. And we did have some references for this episode, and we will have links to those in the show notes for you as well. So you can go check this out. Well, I hope you enjoyed this very special replay of this dive bar. This is the Alternatives to Canning episode, and I hope it gave you a lot of really great ideas to save some of the cool things that you're going to pull out of your garden this year. And uh, before we wrap up really quick, uh, I just wanted to remind you that we do have some pretty awesome drink and farm gear available over in our shop. You can check that out over at drinkandfarm.com slash shop. Uh, Anytime you purchase anything from our podcast, it totally supports the production of this thing, which I know that you love and we love doing. So we so appreciate all of your support and we love seeing all your drink and farm gear over on the Instagram also. So be sure and tag us at drink and farm whenever you're wearing your awesome drink and farm gear because we will totally reshare it. All right. So until next time, drink, farm, and give zero fucks. Bye now. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and